everybody. Just about. Uh, welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 551, recording today live, uh, Wednesday the 26th of September. It's one of those tech gremlin days today. There I was, just getting ready for the show, plugged the camera in, switched it on, nothing. Oh dear, what's going on? Some sort of problem, and then it all uh, escalated. So uh, this show has been prepared in under 15 minutes, which actually is pretty good going for me, because I normally start about two o'clock, just sort of leisurely getting into it, writing my notes and stuff, but I was uh, hijacked by technical issues. And it's, it seems I'm not the only one, so uh, that's one of those days. Uh, in case you're wondering what kind of technical issues, uh, they are music technology issues, because this is a music technology podcast. So uh, we cover things like synthesizers, software, music services, live production, uh, studio production, and uh, any number of surrounding uh, topics and all of that sort of thing. So I want to say hello and welcome. Also, I want to say hello to everybody in the IRC chat room. There's uh, everybody IRC chat, which is sonicstate.com forward slash live. You can go on IRC. And also, uh, we've got uh, our YouTube chat is there as well, because we've got a sort of split that's split between them. And I want to also say thank you very much to Isotope, who are providing a new prize, which is the prize of uh, RX-7, which, as we know, is pretty awesome. I know Dave's been using it a lot because he's... He has to because he cleans up tapes and does all sorts of things uh, in his uh, in his day job. Uh, but we'll, uh, I suppose, speaking of Dave, I should probably say hello to Dave uh, and introduce the first of our guests. So uh, we have actually there's a it's not uh, it's a Dave and Chris week. We have uh, Mr. Chris McLeod and Mr. Dave Spears from G4 Software, where they are they're hunkered down in the synth bunker. It's not quite a bunker. Yes. Light. How are you, chaps? Are you well? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. very well. Thanks, Nick. Busy, uh, busy, busy. Yeah. Are you busy? I mean, it must be, it must take more than a few minutes each day just dusting that lot, I'd imagine. We've got covers on pretty much everything, but uh, we've been, yeah, it's been used pretty much every day for the last couple of weeks. And sometimes it's like, oh, do you know what? I can't be asked to put the cover on particularly this big desk. So that needs a bit of dust. Spiders. But hey, first world problems. Yeah, we do get spiders in there. Big, well, that- big. Big spiders. Field spiders. Now, I yeah. mean, I wonder what happens when you're reaching for the... Uh, or, or if you're using a large format modular like you've got behind you, there's actually... You know, spiders are unlikely to nest in a 3.5mm jack hoe, but they might well go in for a quarter inch. <laughs> so you'd be seeing the, t- the telltale signs of those like those, uh, those little spiders, that, the legs that sort of stick out like funnel webs that come out just the edge of things, and then they leap out at you. <sighs> Just, I just want you to hold that thought. Which would, which synthesizer <laughs> would a, a spider be? Oh dear, what's that? Is that a spider? No, that's a spider killer. Ah, a jack. That's a jack plug. <laughs> right, oh, that's a good idea. I wonder if there's such a thing. I wonder if that that spider holes. Oh yeah, I've got a friend who made a film synth- called Spider Hole. Actually, anyway, yeah, carry on. What have you been up no, to? Synth spiders. They love it in the octagon actually, because that's just like a vast cavern of space. And there's couple of times where I peered in there and thought, oh, jeez. Airbox. But yeah, you kind of have to hoover under everything, around everything, because the keyboard stands just make this kind of perfect frame for to build their webs. There was a few days where we weren't in here and I came in. In fact, there was a week where we weren't in here and I came in and it was just like, oh, my God. But yeah, no, been really busy. Uh, did the uh, Volume 4... Uh, Tron sounds. Yeah, what did we do a couple of weeks ago? Three that weeks was good, ago. and that was brilliant. In fact, that RX seven, amazing. Honestly, I think every six months on Facebook, I have to go on and put a post on going, it's just amazing. 
RX in any carnation is amazing, but RX seven, quite stunning. Quite stunning. There's a few well, it's, fu- it's fortunate you should say that because uh, we actually have the opportunity to, uh, to 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 mention that a little bit later on, and uh, people can win a prize. How fortuitous! <laughs> that wasn't uh, at all cool. rehearsed. I should I cool. should mention. Well, no, everybody anyway, should I- pile in on that. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, and uh, I, I do hope they do. And also we have Mr. Gaz Williams, who's there in Bristol, where he's had to switch to his iPad because he had technical issues today. His his main computer Ooh. was just running super slow. How are you, Gaz? Yeah, I'm puzzled about that. Sorry about the audio quality as well. So it's just coming from the Well, iPad. that's the way it goes. Well, mm-hmm. we just have to do it that way. Could do real-time filters, though. <laughs> Yay. Hey, nice one. Real time filters, nothing like a bit of that. So, um, well, anyway, let's get on to a bit of news and topicery, shall we? I've got this one, which I might have to just fast forward. This is the news of, uh, this is the new Sample Robot. Uh, I'm not sure how new it is, but uh, Sample Robot 6 Pro, uh, which I'm imagining, if I, I've got a video here somewhere, which I might try and play, but there's probably a bit of, oh, guess, a bit, a bit forward. In, um, you're creating your own sample sets and very easily this was for example, shot at, uh, I, um, I recorded uh, some yes, instruments and some loops for a film music project of mine and this was all done with sample robot different loops different rhythms in- I probably have to play quite a lot of that video to explain what sample robot is but sample robot uh, at its base most basic is uh, a kind of midi trigger automation system and sampling so it'll interface with your any audio hardware i'm guessing it might um uh, interface with other stuff like virtual inputs as well i don't know that for sure because there's not much information but what it does is allow you to create key groups it's got auto looping auto transient detecting so you can literally gonna go up 88 keys on a sound at different velocity layers all scripted record all of that loop it um fade it in and fade it out and then export it in kind of a myriad of uh, sample types, uh, sample instrument types, which then obviously it doesn't do the filtering stuff. But I, I think the reason we saw that was it was at the uh, Yamaha booth and uh, there's a sort of montage edition, which allows you to sample via the montage and then export samples as montage. I'm going to come to you, Dave, because you were just talking about doing lots of sampling. I'm guessing Sample Robot might be something that you don't use. It's not something you use for the tr- Tron stuff, but is it something you've come across? Because, I mean, you must have like looked at all the various tools as you were working your way through the sample libraries of various things. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, uh, so I've used Keymap, Redmatica's Keymap, forever which was kind of, I don't know when it was discontinued. Basically, they got they got kind Apple of acquired ball, they, by yeah. Apple. Yeah. yeah, and Andrea was an amazing individual. I mean, he was constantly uh, updating it and stuff. Anyway, um, I use that a lot. In fact, it's one reason, we were talking about it earlier, it's one reason why on my Mac Pro, I'm still on El Kurdistan or um, Capitan or whatever it's called, because... I think Sierra would use it, but High Sierra, you couldn't use it anymore. Uh, and for me, it's such a key piece of kit that I couldn't kind of be without it. So actually, this is kind of really interesting because it may be my opportunity to kind of move into the 21st century a bit in terms of operating systems uh, and still have access to stuff that I need is there a, uh, well I've, I need to work out whether there's a demo of this because I'd, I'd really like to, to download it and check it out and see kind of what the workflow is because I'm so used to the key map thing I mean there's yeah. there's an element of key map in main stage 
but it's not as comprehensive as the individual modules because you had sample. What was that other one? There was. There were like three modules that you got as part of the Red Matica theme, uh, and KeyMap was a kind of auto looping stuff, which was brilliant. There were loads of different modes, uh, and generally you could get in there and even with really complex modulated sounds there was always a point not necessarily on an auto loop but you could generally kind of scan the waveform listen to where the modulation was and find the kind of loop point from that the workflow on it was yeah workflow. it was brilliant the workflow on so yeah no i very interested in this actually yeah, uh, I think it's about 249 euros if you're going from like zero uh, and various different iterations before that. But I think the thing is, I mean, the I, I love the idea of, uh, I mean, because I guess you could use it with a, a MIDI to CV as well. So you could sample a, a scaled uh, analog sound or whatever. And, and there's a really interesting, well, I don't know how interesting it is, but it says, you know, for instance, if you want to do 88 keys uh, at 10 seconds, uh, 88 times 10, so maybe 10 sample uh, uh uh, um, velocity switch layers it would take you four hours and 53 minutes or if you want it by uh 30 layers then you know or, or 30 seconds and you're, you're finding the loop point in each one as well you know you're talking about seven hours whereas this thing you kind of press the button and go away and, and by all accounts it's actually quite good and i love i really like the idea of of, of uh computers doing things for me i don't know what it, it it's, um, it's pretty specialized it, isn't it i i i got mixed up it's software it's not an actual robot that plays your keyboard. <laughs> no, though that would be pretty cool. Oh, oh, I'm not interested in it anymore. Bit more expensive, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I oh, know. No, I mean, it looks brilliant, doesn't it? I mean, um, I've been... Uh, I'm really interested in um, big, massive church organs. I've talked about them before, cathedral organs. Uh, and... I mean, obviously, that they would still need to be played, but you could just just put a whole load of samples in that you play in yourself, I suppose. And it, well, no, it's got. I'll tell you what it's got. It's got like a, a tone and a countdown, so you can just kind of go. It goes, okay, this one. It goes beep, 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 beep and you go go, and then it it stops, and then you get the next one, and it so it, it it'll cue you up, so it'll effectively automatically Amazing. break things up. So it's yeah. kind, of, kind of clever stuff. Yeah, really good, really good. Um, Gosh, wow. Yeah, I mean, like, that makes really big projects so much more bearable, doesn't it? Um, cool, yeah. Santa Stash, I've talked about it before in Paris. The, the I mean, the, the organ in there is just incredible. It didn't sound, well, I mean, it could sound like an organ, but the range of sounds it was coming from was amazing. So I was really wanting to sample it, you know, do it properly. So this would be the way to do it, for sure. Um I just, I, I love that. I, that sounds really cool. I mean, I, I've been sampling a lot this week um, on the Octatrack, uh, elect the Electron Octatrack. Um, in fact, that's the, like the exact opposite process, really. Very, very manual, very kind of fiddly twiddly. But I've been enjoying it. There's something actually quite meditative about it as well. So, old uh, school. I mean, that's one of the joys of hardware, though, actually. Just, just, just sort of setting up sort of sample slices. Um, I don't know. Sometimes just interacting with a machine, not not a mouse and keyboard, just with a, just twiddling the knob, 
yeah, I've been enjoying that. <laughs> well, perhaps if you were doing 88 keys at sort of three velocity layers per, yeah, yeah. it might not feel quite yeah. so, and looping it all might be, but it's an, it's, oh, it's, it's it looks like a, it's it looks like a pretty useful, a pretty useful thing and something that, you know, you may well use. Sorry, get, uh, yeah. Thing is, you still got you've still got to manually check it anyway. Because well, sometimes yeah, it's not. We uh, well, here's a secret: when we did VSM, we didn't have key map or any auto looping stuff. We used a thing called DSP Quattro, and there was not even any crossfading in it. And we did forty nine notes of every sound. <laughs> uh, forty nine, yeah, forty nine keys of every sound. And Chris took half of it, and I took the other half, and we went through every single one and manually found the loop point. And then we swapped over, and I checked his, and he checked mine. Zero crossings on everything. Yeah, wow. that was a headache. That's that's what did me ears in actually. But yeah, but I, was I doing mean, it in what... swimming pool. Oh, I used to take my daughter swimming, and I'd, I'd have it on the laptop, and you got that gnarly sawtooth going through your head, kind of constantly. And then I take their headphones off, and the acoustics in the pool environment—it was—it was a—it was, a, was pretty trippy. And I thought it was funny. And then I think my brain, had eventually, after you know however many sounds we've done, had just had enough. And that's when the permanent tinnitus kind of set in. Yeah, yeah that well, was watch fun. out. Yes, any yeah. automation process. Is I had good. a similar thing actually when we were looping those sounds. I had a prolapse disc, and I went in to have a scan on my back. And the machine makes the most amazing noise. It has these weird harmonics. And the girl said, would you like to have headphones on to, you know, block out the sound of the machine because it makes this odd noise? And I came out grinning from ear to ear because I've been listening to the, the waveform cycling through the machine. <laughs> yeah, that's very niche, isn't it's it? It's like it's like those repetitive yeah. tasks. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember working as a, for a gardener and having to weed like all day and I'd just dream about, little white roots in earth every time i close my eyes and i'd be all oh, times i don't know if you've ever done that way you've just played an exception boggle is a really good one or tetris you used to do these massive sessions on tetris and then you'd sort of walk home at night and sort of think oh if that car turned up a bit and we can shift that into that car parking space and then that that could fit on top and you get so you start to apply all these rules that you know your that your macro processes uh, to real life, which is kind of totally inappropriate. But it's I guess it's the the, the nature of human pattern matching. I don't know. It's kind of same a- thing. Same thing happens physically. So oh, really, I've raced my I've raced my bike up until ten o'clock at night. Sometimes go to bed and I wake up thinking my legs are going round. Well, like a dog you dreaming actually- when the when the when their legs go. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> well very odd. Uh, anyway sample robot um pro 6 available now uh, i think it's been available for a little bit long time and uh, you go to uh, samplerobot.com uh, which is right there there isn't actually i was looking because i was looking for videos and it, the only video i could find was the one that we shot at uh, at superbooth so they definitely need to up their content game and get a little bit of uh online stuff well so that podcasts who specialize in music technology of which i can think of two can get their content (laughs) well there's more than two obviously five maybe uh okay right what was it um i don't and it hasn't even got a list of what formats you can export to which is kind of i guess it must do things like ex before oh that's what i was going to mention the one thing that i think would be useful like you were saying gaz is really useful for taking 
taking a band to a live scenario where you've got a particular keyboard sound, you don't want to take that keyboard out, you get the sound and you sample it and then you've got it as a, as a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone in the chat room has just sort of drawn my attention to a, a program called Octachainer, though, which is uh, essentially a little bit like Sample Robot, but specifically for the Octatrack. Not really like that, but, but a sample manager uh, that you can do all your slicing on that. that. So thank you for that. Um, oh, okay. I will investigate that. So doing lots and lots of sampling at the moment. Oh, no, okay. Well, we'll check that out. Thank you very much for that tip. Um, right, so... Uh, oh, well, let's let's do the... Uh, I had to make this special video up for, the, uh, for our friends at Isotope, so I'll play this now because we can do the competition. I forgot to announce the winner last week and I had to do it right at the end of the show, which uh, some of you may miss. Anyway, let's just have a little word. This is Isotope RX-7, RX uh, just out. to be the industry standard I'll let leader our friend explain. for music and post-production. And with RX-7, we've introduced groundbreaking new ways to quickly and easily fix and manipulate audio. Take the game-changing Repair Assistant, an intelligent helper that can detect noise, clipping, clicks, hum, and more. Also new in RX-7 is Music Rebalance, a powerful source separation tool. Drums too loud? Vocals not loud enough? Let's fix that. You can also create instrumental versions of songs by removing the vocal elements. You can now alter the pitch without affecting the timing of your audio, and conversely, alter the time without affecting the pitch with the new variable time and variable pitch modules. Using the new dialog contour, you can improve the performance of a line or even create a new performance by altering the pitch contour of the dialog, therefore adjusting the intonation of the speaker. And introducing Dialog Dereverb, a module powered by machine learning to reduce the presence of reverberations around dialogue. RX-7, a new frontier in audio repair. Now, I had to make that add a little bit. I mean, I cut that ad down loads. Without, I took all the uh, uh, audio examples out because there is so much good stuff in there. So if you want to check it out, you go over to isotope.com forward slash RX and they will give you a demo that uh, you know you can download. I think it's a 10-day demo is all their stuff. Uh, last week, we were pimping the prize of uh, Vocal Synth, which again is another Isotope plugin. There's a vocal processing plugin. And we have a winner from that. Uh, that was somebody called At El Eluhurlu. Uh, that's a really th- hard one to pronounce. It's E-L-U-H-E-R-L-U, at Elherlu. Uh, you have won a copy of Vocal Synth. If you want to get in touch, that's great. And if you want to win this week, uh, what we're looking for for the RX-7 competition is the hashtag FixAnyMix and the hashtag RX-7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's the hashtag FixAnyMix to R- and RX-7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Once again, we thank them for providing the prize for this week's show. Much appreciated. Um, okay, so, uh, ah, yeah, did we see this one? Uh, ah, I didn't find, I, this is this is one of the things I haven't prepared yet because, uh, as I said, there was the, um, the issue with so much, uh, uh, here we go, if I load this page, it will show up. Yeah, Spotify uh, have, have announced they're trialling uh, a limited sort of beta of independent uploads uh, to the Spotify platform. Uh, up until now, uh, you have to be a label or a digital aggregator to be able to do this. So this is kind of really encroaching onto the territory of 
uh, SoundCloud-ish because it's not quite about the embedding and the sharing of audio in some in some ways. It's more just allows it to get onto the platform. And as we know, the platform uh, Spotify playlisting is very powerful in terms of promoting your stuff. Um, we also know that you make next to nothing uh, unless you're a billionaire streamer um, out of that stuff. But it's an interesting move and they're going to be splitting the royalties, I think, 50-50 and whatnot. I'll come to you guys first because I know that... Um, we're always looking for the ultimate. I mean, we, we do show these things once in a while, don't we? I mean, there was that Swan Audio sharing thing. SoundCloud is almost great, but not quite. We sort of need an equivalent of YouTube because YouTube generates revenue for the contributors as well. Something along those lines that actually works and does work because YouTube works, but it's audio, uh, it's, but not for just audio, although people do just upload audio. Well, I think that's a very good point. And it's interesting, isn't it, that YouTube have just launched its kind of music service you know where you can listen to youtube content just the audio so it's like uh, they're both crossing over so i'm i'm fairly sure that this is in some way a, a reaction to maybe youtube's kind of encroaching into their territory perhaps you know um, in with the point that you said you know the idea that user created content is incredibly popular which i mean you know youtube you look at the how popular that is well lots so of people it, just I, use it to dj with don't they, they don't while looking at the video but they just queue up oh, do track tra sure. it's like crate digging and just go oh let's play this but it's a massive yeah. bandwidth hog yeah yeah so i mean it, it's it, there's definitely a battle go you know for something going on between you know i mean spotify i mean when they started off it was a swedish company wasn't it and, and seemingly quite a small company but they're like huge players now internationally okay well, there's a stat for you as 84 okay. million uh 83 million um subscribers paying subscribers that's a lot isn't it so that's an interesting thing isn't it what i mean how much is it a month it's about ten dollars a month is it Spotify somewhere somewhere between i think there was a five bucks and a ten bucks one yeah that depends which way you go but yeah so, so if you think about that then that's what's 800 odd million a month coming into the music business through well takes spotify's cut out of that but um god talking big 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 bucks there so 60 ooh, 664 million at eight bucks right, right. 648 okay. uh yeah crikey a month, a month. month. So how come nobody makes any bloody money out of it? I don't get yeah, it. How is that even mm. possible? Anyway, that's probably by the by. But I mean, <laughs> disc the, the thing oh, that Spotify. Go, Chris. Sorry, they probably don't pay any tax either. Well, that's possible. But I mean, the one thing Spotify is good for is discovery, isn't it? I mean, that's one of the things that you know it can it can throw things at you and people curate playlists and that's that's the power of it and also just the, the reach. I mean, is astonishing and I suppose. It is the, uh, I mean, if Spotify opened it up so you could easily embed widgets and stuff, because it is a bit complicated, they kind of closed it down. So, I mean, you can do it, but it's not it's not as friendly as, say, SoundCloud or YouTube or that sort of thing. Um, I know, how do, you, how do you feel about this, guys? I mean, you know, you deal with a lot of artists. I mean, but in, for indie stuff, I mean, I guess, would it work for sales? I mean, I use Bandcamp, which is much easier, and it's just that nobody takes a cut apart from them, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I like Bandcamp. I don't like, no, I don't, I refused. In fact, I think you were the same. We kind of refused to do any streaming stuff for years. And, and I did notice 
there was an article uh, probably about a year ago, and it was the average wage of a Spotify employee was well over $100,000. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. So there's still money in music, but it strikes me that a load of people who are doing it aren't making it, and other people who are just taking it are making it. And so to me, it, the, the balance was all completely skewed, uh, not in favour of musicians. So I refused to get involved in it for years. And then I bought some Sonos speakers. And as part of that, they were offering a three month or six month service to Deezer, which was a kind of, which is an equivalent. Uh, and I resisted that for about as long as possible. And then I thought, you know what, I should try it because it is really good for research. And then I looked into it and it appears that they were actually paying probably the best royalties, I think. It certainly was then. Uh, and that's it. I've kind of stuck with it ever since. And, you know, we'll be going through doing stuff here and it'll be like, oh, this sound sounds like, and we can very quickly call up, you know, just dial into Deezer and call up the original track and go, oh yeah, okay, it needs tweaking to refine it a little bit. But for research, it's brilliant. But it's still, nag well, there's two things that still nag at me. First of all, the royalties are not correct, in my opinion. Uh, and secondly, it does gnaw at me that, I don't own this music and I liked owning music that I bought and we bought tons. I mean, we were constantly kind of comparing CDs and stuff and oh, I just bought this and bought that for, for, for years, but now I don't do that. I mean, honestly, on average, I'd spend a hundred quid a month on CDs, but now that just doesn't happen. Now it's my 10 quid to Deezer and that's it. And I kind of almost feel slightly ashamed about it actually. Well, I suppose, I mean, that I, I didn't spend that much. So, I mean, I, it was the other way around for me. But I, I, I'm, people are saying in the chat room that actually Facebook own quite a large chunk of uh, Spotify. Um, I don't know how much that hasn't been disclosed, but they are share owners in it, I suppose. So, what that means. Mm -hmm. So, when you buy... Don't know. When you buy music, you invest into that music, though, don't you? You actually, you know, if you spend 10 books or whatever or on something you are not only are you, you you know you're making you're making an investment into that music and then you're going to want to get that investment back by listening to it lots and cherishing it and it being something that's uh that you feel something you feel some claim of ownership of that music and the streaming uh, my first into streaming was with my squeeze logitech squeeze box system and i used um napster for a number of years uh and then i decided when i gave up that i thought about the albums uh that i'd listened to during that period of time maybe sort of like four years or something whatever it was and i just it felt like a just a fleeting, you know, like a transitory relationship. It really didn't feel. It, it's sort of a, it's a peculiar thing. I mean, without getting into materialistic sort of purposes, I think just oh, the owning of music just makes it that much more personal. Um, and well, did I mean, okay. I mean, there's the thing. <laughs> did, did we ever own the music? Surely we only owned the CD or the vinyl it was imprinted on. We didn't actually own the actual music on the when we buy it. We own the physical no. object of the of the uh, of the CD cover or whatever it is. And I suppose that that's the thing because you look over on your shelf and you go, "Oh yeah, I haven't listened to that for a while." And you've got that trigger whereas whether you're just presented with 
all that choice all at once, it's very hard to know what maybe you want to listen to. So you, it's a different, it is a different relationship, but I, I'm not royalties, sure. Royalties were always talk- different. Sorry? Yeah. Royalties were very different between physical copies and streaming. I think that's one of the reasons why I like Bandcamp, is that first of all, independent artists can put their stuff up on there and they can determine. And for me, this is all about artist's choice which seems to have been negated and removed with the big companies that are basically just there to kind of, they're waiting for the big IPO. So all the shareholders can check out with their gazillions and screw everybody else, if if I'm being really blunt. But what I like about Bamcamp is artist decides, do I want to give it away? What price do I want to charge if I want to charge anything? And that way you kind of, you I think through that, you do develop a relationship with the artists. And there's some artists that, I'll go to the nth degree to support. And I kind of feel that's being taken away in terms of Spotify. But then again, I am a grumpy. Well, no, it's it's interesting (laughs) you mentioned that because remember, um, uh, uh, Radiohead were amongst the first uh, artists to kind of release stuff digitally uh, and then say, pay what you like. But because they're so massive, I mean, it still made, I mean, loads of people downloaded it for free, but a lot of people chose to support and they still made, you know, a couple of million, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know the the economics of it, but so I think that that's not a bad idea because the other other thing that came up in the chat room was, you know, once you stop paying for that, you say, I don't want to subscribe anymore, then you no longer have access to that music. So yes, totally. There's a counter side to the argument that I agree with that Dave says that when uh, customers subscribe to a particular service, they're subscribing every month. And it may well be that people who didn't purchase music before are spending a lot more on uh, the music that they're purchasing now than they ever did before. I think where the imbalance is, is in the way that the royalties are paid. So there might be more money being generated through the market itself, but the proportion of that profit going back to the artists is the thing that needs to be addressed. So there there are positives about a subscription model Mm. in that it can generate a greater sum total of money for the, or, or, you know, it's generating uh, that kind of, uh, yeah, I suppose some of money that might not necessarily have been there before. Well, Netflix quite clearly works, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's and Netflix is a similar thing. You pay money to them, but they invest enormous amounts of money in programming. You know, they've spent, I mean, they're, they're spending, th- you know, what is it? That I heard some statistics the other day. You know, this is one of the problems that, like, in the UK, the BBC are up against, where they're up against companies like Amazon and Netflix, who are prepared to spend, like, a billion dollars on something, whereas the BBC just cannot do that. You know, so they can't do those big budget things because they don't have the mandate and they've got all these other things that they, but, but people support that. I suppose the difficulty is with Spotify is if you've got a million tracks on Spotify and everybody's paying 10 bucks, the, the way that it's split, it's in the same way that they do in the UK. You get these sort of payments for PRS and PPL for stuff that's played in cafes and restaurants and background music kind of things. But the people who get the lion's share of those are the big musical brands. So your Paul McCartney's, your Beyonce's, you know, your, those kind of people get the, the worthwhile chunks, and the rest is spread out around, amongst so many other tiny, tiny little kind of slices that it does, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's difficult. It seems difficult to be able to handle that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good for discovery. Does, maybe not. Does anyone know whether these companies are investing in artists? I, don't, I have no idea. Well, that would be a good question. Do do they, yeah, in the same in way that the Netflix same way as do, the, yeah. 
Or the record companies used to. I know there's all sorts of arguments about the model being outdated and what have you, the 70s and 80s model. But if they yeah. were investing back back in the art form, it might be a way of redressing that balance some, somehow. Yeah, and promoting yeah, that's acts. actually one thing that kind of kept... That's what I know from talking us talking, that's what kind of made me really passionate about buying stuff because actually what you're doing is you're supporting the whole eco-structure that we kind of all belong to. And it also, it was also often the case that the first two or three albums of artists were not not successful, but they honed their craft making those albums and then they reject you know pay back their loans through the successful album they had in uh well yeah that's true i mean but i mean uh, as we know the record industry of old had its uh, issues with kind of you know inequity and what have you but yeah in some ways it seems fairer the bandcamp model because you're dealing directly i mean you get sub labels and people use it to, to, to really but it feels like a much more direct relationship with the artist yeah certainly certainly the bandcamp thing is but the spotify's and Deezers and what have you. It'd be interesting to know whether they did actually invest, reinvest in the art form. I think they should. Spotify later, guys. <laughs> little detail about Bandcamp uh, that I only learned recently. There was if you do sell merchandise through Bandcamp, be that vinyl or T-shirts or anything, really. Uh, we did fuzzy felt at our Asteroid Deluxe launch. <laughs> um, you can. Uh, the way it works is it comes off future digital uh the, the the royalty comes off the future digital earnings so it's quite interesting so actually when you sell something you'll get the full amount but there'll be like a percentage that will be deducted from future digital earnings it's just hmm. it's quite an interesting way of uh as a business model that is right so, um yeah just sort of mention that well, anyway, um, it's trialling at the moment. Uh, we don't, uh, they haven't sort of said when it's going to be going live and it's very much designed to, you know, you, the idea is you would upload it kind of several days or a week before your release is going to happen where it has to be checked to see, you know, if there's any copyright infringements and if it's duplication of something else that's already up there that they're already, so, you know, there's there's a process. It's not like SoundCloud where you just go, hey, I've done this great mix, bang, bing, stick it on a page, I'm there, mm. share it, gone. You know, you can't, it's not that immediate thing, which, uh, you know, one thing that, as we all kind of love, is you, you, you do like to kind of just what go, is no. The, what's the story with SoundCloud now then? Because I don't know. That- I don't know. I, I mean, no. there's been a lot of uh, demise of SoundCloud stories, but I mean, I, st- I think they're still going Ooh. on. I just don't know quite what their model is or anything. So it's a different, but it is different. Okay. Um, right. Well, let's have a look at this. Let's get some synth, in, synth action on the go. This is uh, the teaser for a new synth, which uh, is a vector synth by the looks of it. It's got a rather attractive screen on it absolutely no other information available vectorsynth.com it's got left and right outputs on Coreridge Jack by the looks of things but it seems to have been very exciting I mean it's one of the highest outbound links on our site to vectorsynth.com that looks pretty There we go. We're always uh, banging on about how we need new stuff. I mean, vector synths aren't that new. When, when was the first Profit VS? Was the was that the first vector synth? Have you got one? We did have. We did. Oh, I was going to say, can you can you switch it on and play? Because <laughs> then we can kind of like, okay, yeah, we got one of those. Here's what it sounds like. 
we sold we it. Give it away or no, sell we it. We sold it. We sold it. No, we got, uh, you know, I was doing that probate sale thing, or, you know, I was valuing all the sins of probate, which we ended up just buying them all. Uh, and the guy was a complete uh, sequential nutcase. Um, and the VS came as part of that. And we kind of played with it a few times and went, Meh. and somebody contacted us and said, have you got a VS? Yep, immaculate condition. So he came down and bought it, and he took that and a tom with him. But yeah, no, Chris has got more, way more um, to do with vector synthesis than I ever had. Okay. So because, right, I'd be really, I'd be really interested in the structure of this, the sound sources, whether they were, what they're going to use for the uh, sound generation, whether they're going to mix analog and digital, whether it's going to be digital or. Uh, I'd imagine all the controls digital, but whether they're going to use analog filters. The VS used analog filters, but had horrid digitizing or an, uh, anti-aliasing. Uh, yeah, I, all I remember are, 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 are kind of like fizzy bells. Yeah, horrid, really horrible. <laughs> That's a show title. Everything right that was horrible. Fizzy bells. Fizzy bells. Right. Yeah. I'll put that in. Be really cool to. It'd be really interesting to know what it, the structure of it is. Really. Exactly. I mean, the, those it, demo sounds sounded analog-ish, but uh, well, yeah, it's a did. small. But it's a small box, so it's hard to tell how much they can fit in. I suppose. There, there were uh, components of it that sounded very digital as well. There were lots of bell. Or there were some bell sounds in there as well. But the the demo sounded as so it had a range of sources. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think, so, I, I mean, well, we don't know anything more about it, but I mean, I guess it's a good thing. More synths is not necessarily a bad thing, or, uh, 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 although it's much harder to stand out now. I mean, you know, because all those, all those kind of like uh, uh, golden targets, you know, the affordable polysynths, the analog monster, the, you know, they've all been sort of struck, haven't they? They've all been hit. And now it's just sort of, there's this sort of price point issue, which seems to happen all the time. So it's, it's kind of, it's an, it going to be an interesting concept. I mean, it looks like it shouldn't be too expensive because of its size. I mean, you couldn't charge 2000 euros for a box that looks about the size of a, as it does. So, I mean, it, it maybe will be affordable. We don't know how many voices or anything. I know Gaz, uh, have you got any fond memories of VS synthesis or, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure what it is. Is it a ve Is it traveling along a wave table or something? Is that how vector works? I'm not, I'm, I don't even know what it means. I should probably look it up. I thought it was, it is it's the ability. Just like for morphing for, sorry, Chris. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> It's the ability to morph before between the four sound source or sound it's generators. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be based on the joystick. Here we go. There's the Wikipedia page. That's the vector player. Yeah, so vector I think the OA, Cor Corgo Asis, the wave station, they had that mm -hmm. sort of capability. Right. Got you. I suppose that would be what would be interesting with that is because uh, if you have morphing waveforms or across, you know, like the sub-37 is continually variable. In fact, the IK Multimedia Uno synth I just reviewed, which is uh, Eric Norlander's kind of creation, that wave sweeping sounds pretty good. So if you had a multiple oscillator in analog, it could be quite an interesting uh, proposition as well if they sound good while they're morphing, because it always sounds like crossfading to me, <laughs> no matter what you try and describe it as. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting with the wave station, I think, to a degree, because you had the wave table. You could scroll through the wave tables. So you could, but with just pure analog 
stuff. I mean, I like the idea of the combination with analog and digital and perhaps samples and stuff like that. And then you're kind of morphing between the two, crossfading between. I think that's the key to it being different is if the four sound sources are perhaps diff perhaps a couple of analog oscillators, a granular generator, and then maybe something digital, then you get uh, lots of tonal differences between the four. That might make it quite cool. Yeah, that would. I mean, granular would be very suited to uh, to to uh, um, to vector synthesis, I guess, because scanning across waveforms rather than a wavetable, I think that could work pretty good. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. I'm guessing. I don't know where. There's absolutely no news. You could just sign up. Let me see if I can find it. It's basically vectorsynth.com. It just says uh, vectorsynth.com. Oops, I don't spell synth like that. So I suppose you know who's behind it. I don't. You know what, though? Um, I do remember um, Glenn Darcy leaving Akai and going off to do something else, Cynthy, and having a conversation with him many, many months ago. I wonder, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm, this is a complete guess. I mean, honestly, there's no truth or there's nothing apart from pure speculation in that. But I wonder if that might be something that, here we go, you can see the picture of it. Uh, it doesn't really show up so well on the... Uh, on the on the stream there it needs to be brighter i don't think i can do anything about yeah. that uh let me see can i can i brighten that up so we might be able to let's see if i can find the uh, the input channel and and update the there we go i wonder if i can uh, adjust the uh i can't uh, color adjust i can't see i can't see a um joystick on there but it looks like there's maybe a touch screen is there is sort of that is that how you do them the oh there we go look the more How's that? Oh, look at that. I'm doing some live photo manipulation so you can see what's there. <laughs> so it looks like the vectors are maybe suborbit and orbit. So it's, it's sort of discrete vectors as well. That's kind of interesting. I can't mm -hmm. quite make that out. Vibrata, yeah. So anyway, but the answer to your question, Chris, is no, I have no idea who's behind it. I could not tell you that any words about it. But it's a new synth, so that might be good. Uh, right, it's let's... Uh, sorry. Oh. Go, Gaz. I was going to say, factor, it makes me think a little bit of the um, Tasty Chips GR1 in the, you know, it's a digital synth, that, that's specifically a with a large screen and some dedicated controls on there. And um, and that's got a lovely form factor, a really, really enjoyable uh, synth to use. So it is, well, I mean, and that, that, that isn't particularly cheap, the GR1. I think that's about 850 uh, euros i think um yeah this looks a little bit more uh, substantial just oh yeah it is more substantial for sure it is more just this kind of desktop size with a big screen on there as well it's not been many things in that format the gr1 being an exception i suppose i suppose uh, yeah it looks cool though yeah um, okay, well, uh, let's get on to something else. Uh, this is another interesting topic. We, I touched on that. In fact, I, I can't believe I was in. I was talking to Richard Devine, and he announced uh, the Modex uh, Modex. I get that right. That's yet another synth you've got to pronounce correctly. God, it's just the, the list adds up. I'll never be able to keep up. So it's going to be like speaking a different language pretty soon. Um, it's the uh, he he. He's announced, he announced on the day of the Modi X launch that he'd been uh, commissioned to do a load of sounds for the Jaguar, uh, new Jaguar range of cars. And there's an article here on uh, uh, CDM Link, uh, Peter Kern's site, where it sort of goes into all of that stuff. I wonder if I could play this. So he was sort of making the like, engine sounds. 
That sounds quite exciting. What's this one? Oh, that's a pretty short trip. I guess that's uh, it's not going to sell them any Jaguar cars. I mean, would you buy a car based on the way it sounded? And I think we've talked about this before because there was with electric cars. There's these challenges that have to be met because obviously they're silent, effectively, apart from the rolling sound. So you have to have an external sound to warn people you're coming. Uh, which you know, if you've got a Jag, you're probably going to want it to be a fairly throaty rumble uh, to make people kind of like turn around and go, "Ooh, look at that!" But um, so Richard Devine has done all the entire sound design for it, which I imagine was very. Uh, quite an involved job and i think he said it was very challenging and the other part of it was um he used a lot of fm because he's an fm nut i don't know um have you ever uh, you've do you ever get asked to do sound design stuff like this i mean it's a very niche uh kind of job isn't it description i mean you know richard devine is pretty much mr sound design for that sort of stuff you know i think he does movies as well but a lot of it is for application sound design so for, for, for hardware stuff he could have saved himself a load of work by coming over here, just sampling a Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the idea of subverting this, yeah, having some that. kind of misfiring two-stroke. A clown car. Jag, yeah. Sports yeah. car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Driving along the road. I mean, if I got in a car and it made that sound, hey, this is not So we do have access to a, an old E-Type, and it is... Well, Nick's been out on it, and it is the most amazing sounding car. It makes the goosebumps on my arm stand up. It's not mine, I hasten to add. But um, if I got in a car and fired it up and it sounded like that, I would just want to drive it as fast as possible because you immerse yourself in that noise. Now, the thing with the E-Type is it's not a car. You, Of course, you can drive it fast, but it's not a car that you should really drive fast it's just the experience of driving a vehicle of that magnificence um, and with that sound. And when you put it in the corners at the right speed and everything, it just, it's, it just sounds beautiful. But if I was in a car that sounded like a jet, I, thought, I would just be caning it I everywhere. thought it sounded like Batman's car from the 60s, the car, the kind of... Yeah, you see yeah that no, I know what you mean. thing to do. I mean, I that's not. To, I'm sure Richard's done an amazing job. That's the first thing to say. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, there's a sort of comedy element. I think just put a bloody V8 in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you can't. If, I mean, you know, it's, it's a future. It's obviously more modern technology. But I think we talked about this once before. The idea of you know, in the same way that you can modify the the voice of your uh, sat nav or of your um, what was the other thing that you can get sort of sat you know sound. Sat, changing your sounds and the idea of having multiple sounds or Easter eggs in there, you know, where if you, if you change down too quickly, there's a really, exp you know, even though it hasn't got a gearbox like that, it sort of goes, it sounds like a Morris minor being stuck in the wrong gear, you know, yeah. it's a bit like, you know, and when you drive, if you drive a reasonably high performance car and you're listening to certain types of music, if I'm listening to some real hardcore 150 BPM techno, 160 BPM drum and bass. I'm going to drive it like an idiot. Whereas if I'm listening to some ambient stuff. So I think this is the really interesting part of this is not necessarily what Rich has done, which we all know everything he does is really good. It's how the driver interacts with that sound, whether they do drive like a lunatic because it sounds like a spacecraft and I'm just going to go really fast or whether there should be some kind of tone it down noise. 
Mm, that's an interesting Don't idea. Try. You've you've got Don't quite an advanced te- you've got an advanced technological car. I mean, in terms of what it does, Gaz. I mean, it's a hybrid thing, and it's got uh, presumably tons of computer stuff. on. Does it make any special noises? Because <laughs> um, no. when you're in hybrid mode, it must. Does it make an engine noise? No, mine's not hybrid, Nick. Mine's oh, is it not? Hybrid. Oh, sorry, I do beg uh, your pardon. Yeah, that's all right. Um, but I, mean, I remember we talked about this before, just the sounds that they have to emit on the outside uh, in order to warn people of them driving. It was just, and I can't remember if we said this or not, but it's something I've always thought that if um, the sound that they make, if they drive past another one that's the same make, they harmonise. And then ah. if they drive past a wrong wow. one, they create a sort of tritone or something, just to sort of like just to sort of make the other car sound worse. <laughs> yeah. Something. You get that Doppler effect when they go past. Phase cancellation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's wow. an interesting idea. That'd be well, really I, cool. I'll tell you what this, what I want this on. I want this on my electric bike. Oh, that's an that's idea. That's what I want this, this noise on. So, hi, bike. If you're out there, hi, Richard Devine. Get him to put a noise on my fat six or whatever it's called. Well, look, here's a, here's a thought. Like, I mean, there's what they should do is they should release a Jaguar app that interacts with your accelerometer in your phone. You put it on the dashboard, you Bluetooth it into your hi-fi, and then when you're driving your car, you, your car, your hi-fi then sounds like what it would be like to drive one of these new Jags. So you're then kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe I want to get one of those. You know, you, and because of the acceleration and the deceleration, you can have it actually kind of making those sounds. And if you're going really fast... Although there could be some, you know, there's obviously lots of real Under- accidents. <laughs> Underworld did that with a with a golf, didn't they? They did a whole GTI golf. app, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They did the whole golf GTI app, and that used the accelerometers and stuff, didn't it? For oh, really? the for the cornering and acceleration yeah. and whatnot. There'll be a video on it. Yeah. I was I'm I wasn't sure allowed to that. know anything about that at the time, but it sounded like a good laugh because they were ragging it round a track. Testing oh, out this is it, yeah. Stuff. Driving there you go. Uh, GTI and Underworld play the road. Driving music reinvented. Okay. Oh, let's have a look at that. This is uh, ah video removed. Ah, <laughs> that's not so good. Maybe it was a Volkswagen diesel. Bada bing. Yeah, it was the emissions. Yeah, Let's see if this one works. Oh, there we go. We got something here. I'm not so camera GPS. Sounds like a 1960 spaceship, doesn't it? Wow. There's quite a lot of low end in there that you probably aren't getting over YouTube via laptop speakers. Sound like the inside of a scanner. All right, so it starts to play music as well. Oh, that's interesting. So the whole thing, yeah. So it reacts. I mean, I think, yeah. Well, they're obviously, are way ahead of their time, as uh, as we say. But yeah, I mean, I had to make things like you know the indicator lights, you know the bing bong when you've left your light on when you you know all of that stuff. I mean, there must be a massive list of sounds, and I imagine, I mean, you know he must be very experienced at this sort of thing because I know he's worked with big brands like this before but can you imagine the meetings where you have to go in and have and you've got 
everybody from the managing director down to the chief engineer throwing their oar in and modifying. It's not like just working with the director. I'd be working with kind of absolutely everybody who had an opinion on it because they all want it to be, you know, they've probably got in their mind's eye or the mind's ear, you know, what they want it to sound like. That would just be, oh, what a, night, what a nightmare. Yeah, marketing men. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say that word, yeah. marketing. So normally what happens is everything runs brilliant and then it's like the marketing men kind of come in and kind of go, no, it needs to be like this. And you're just like, oh, it needs to be bluer. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know what I think? I, I want to know. I bet you there was one meeting where somebody said, I want it to have a bit more, because it's a Jaguar, right? <laughs> Can it sound a bit more like a yeah. wild animal? <laughs> It'd be brilliant. I love the idea of it sitting at traffic lights, just purring like a proper... I want like a big cat. White. Yeah, well, and with, yeah. I'm on my bike, so I need a bell on my bike because obviously it, I do ride it rather fast and stuff. And Louise's on about, I need, I should get a klaxon, which is a little bit overkill and it's a bit tossy, really. And I just thought the lamest, most slightly effect bicycle bell would be perfect as you go, and one of those horns. I think, ah, ah. Yeah, and that's what or, this Jack needs. Oh yeah, or one of those uh, one of those party whistles with a with a little feather in it, <laughs> <laughs> which always. Whenever I think of those, I always think about uh, Courtney Pine and his uh, soprano sax, which is very unfair of me, but I can't help it. It's just like a visual because <laughs> it, it his tone is not my favourite, shall we say? Anyway, um, oh, his whole career reduced to a little party gimmick. Well, that's not. It's very hard to make a soprano sax sound nice. Because they're squeaky by their very nature. So if you overdo it, it's kind of, you know, it's, you're asking for trouble as far as, at least where I'm concerned, it'll be just put a feather on the end of it and cover it, cover it in some, cover it in some, uh, um, some cheap uh, gift wrap. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm getting pretty tangential here. Um, but that, that's probably it. Does anyone want to talk about this? Does this have any, uh, does the PreSonus Atom, did I actually get it in the system? I don't know if I did. Let's have a look. Is that it? No, that's not it. Maybe it's that. Oh, yeah, this. Did you see this? Just very quickly. It's pretty cool. It's a new controller from Personas, which is uh, different. They haven't done any MIDI controllers, as far as I can tell, like ever. Uh, so, yeah, it's obviously works in conjunction with apps and whatnot it's hard to tell whether this is a good idea or just a bit like things that have gone behind i mean it's a small i like the coloring of the buttons we've got it here oh i think i've still got my uh my color correction on this guy maybe i should check that oh dear i don't think i've got that quite right that looks a bit better yeah that looks like it looks here anyway maybe that's right So there it is. I mean, it's a MIDI controller. Yeah. The thing about it specifically is if you're a Studio One user, version four, I guess, I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, the uh, Impact XT or the, the way that that had uh, developed in the latest version of Studio One, uh, it, it's kind of brought it in line with a kind of Native Instruments machine kind of thing. It's very, very sophisticated, very deep. So it makes a lot of sense for them to market something that has uh, a, a complete integration into the Studio One uh, workflow, especially, as I mentioned, with that um, additional uh, 
well, it's not just Impact XT. There's another MIDI sort of like a like a eight to eight style sequence of thing in there as well that that it sort of supports in a, with all dedicated but you know with the buttons all light up and all kind of work in cahoots um, with the software. Now I don't know how uh, how compromised it would be to work with things outside of the Presonus world. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to say. Yeah, I see what you mean, but that that integration, integration. makes sense. Uh, looks like yeah. it's about 125 quid. So 100. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe it is just designed to work specifically with the uh, with Studio One. I mean, in the same way that, well, that some of their controllers that really tightly integrate as well, don't they? So I think that tight, that tight integration makes it a really attractive uh, choice. But again, you know, with the caveat being you have to be a Studio One user. Uh, well, like these guys. Similar- the fader ports obviously integrate yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've got like Steinberg things which are similar that integrate into Cubase, and the fact that all the buttons just work, it's really nice. You know, it's a very nice um, time saver. And uh, so I think this, with that in mind, is looks like great, and it's a great price as well. So I think it's a bit of a no-brainer if you're a Studio One user, to be honest. Yeah, I've just got... Um... I'm going to pop this up on the screen if it's going to work. Uh, Hayes Anderson says, don't think there could be enough controllers out there, to be honest. We all have different uh, uh, hands on different workflows. But that's well, very true. I mean, you know, I mean, essentially, that's what you've got there. I mean, obviously, you've got the electronics behind all of those things. But each of those instruments have their own kind of specific way of interacting. I mean, do you, I can't remember. Have you got any control surfaces in there for, for dealing with uh, DAW or, or any of the other stuff? No, apart from apart them. from the oddity, maybe. Well, we've got a fat boy. Uh, oh, and obviously the Impulse. yeah the Imp Two yeah. controller. Um, I've got a app for Logic, so I can control that from the other end of the room. Uh, although that's a bit kind of flaky at times. Uh, no, it's interesting. And I was thinking oh, so about the whole yeah the Novation launch track launch pad thing. I was thinking about that earlier. We just done the, what, the, the I, touch sensitive keyboards. That you've... Oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, no, we've been. Uh, I've just done a load of sounds for this. I don't know whether I can lift it and go. Oh yeah, I've noticed you've been getting peaky. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's incredibly versatile, very versatile synth. But I've kind of, yeah. So I'm just about to submit a load of those. In fact, Chris was over going good, rubbish, good, average, <laughs> same as the first one. Uh, <laughs> So that was quite good. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to submit those and uh, see what they think of those. Um, but, yeah, the launch pad thing, I've seen a couple of guys mucking around on that and thought, mm-hmm. could be tempted to join the 21st century. On that yeah, point. it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, as with any controller, I mean, there are there are synth effects. I'm finding that with the Medusa now. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's a, a certain... You know, I have to learn how to use it for the synth. But the thing is, is if it, the, the the more niche the controller is for, and the more complicated it is to use, the less the less you're inclined to maybe learn all of that if you can't transfer those skills to other instruments or other workflows. So it's it's quite a, a difficult uh, a f- uh, set of parameters to work with. I think. Yeah, mm. although I think what Gareth says is absolutely right. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Speaking of workflow, though, um, it may be worth just mentioning that um, Reason 10.2 has just um, come out, I think, today. 
Um, and that's quite notable in that it's a lot of the features that it brings in in 10.2 are kind of features that are not necessarily innovative. We've seen them in other software, but sort of brings reasons sequence a little bit more into the um, mainstream. One of the features that you can do now is you can groups, you know, uh, multi-select uh, uh, mixer channels in, uh, and then. Uh, with a shift function and then operate one and it operates them all um which again we sort of maybe take that for granted in most other software all right also uh, you can view multiple midi uh, parts at the same time in the same editor so again things we've seen in other software but really nice to see in reason actually because um uh you know reason sequencer I, i've always felt is very it was always a bit too simplistic, um, but it's got reasons. Got loads of fantastic features. So with it gaining these workflow features, I think you know definitely makes it worth a look if you are someone who are, is has been on teetering on the edge with reason. I think it certainly makes it a little bit more. Um, I don't know, kind of more where the, where it should be if you know what i mean yeah I mean, reason reasons one uh, of those daws that, that, that seems to garner a lot of uh uh um enthusiasm amongst it you know um evangel evangelical mm. behavior amongst its users i mean you choose to use it and it, it's quite different from many others so there's not much crossover yeah uh you know because you have that i guess it's because there weren't vsts for such a long time and i guess they still they, they mm. don't do vsts do they? they they've got the rack stuff i mean you guys do the rack they've got the vsts things, now as well they've got vsts as well now but i guess that made it yeah a, a closed a closed ecosystem for for a long time so it's now long, they're kind yes, of yes. yeah so I guess that makes sense. Okay, well, yeah, 10.2 um, out today. Uh, yeah, I was just browsing the all these nice animated GIFs that was showing all these kind of uh, the things that it would do. Uh, so you can... <coughs> uh, you, if you buy Reason now... Uh, so September 26th, that is, in fact, today. You're absolutely right, which is why it's not in the news, because I uh, did the topics yesterday. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, right, well, thank you very much. I'm sorry if I was slightly distracted. It's been one of those days where you get the, uh, is it still working? Uh, has that problem I, I thought I'd solved just come back kind of scenario? So you chaps, um, what what are you up to next then? You've done your, you've just had the uh, uh, Mtron Pro uh, banks come out. Uh, anything else coming along? Look, they're looking at each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Shall we? But it's oh. it's a bit like that. I don't know whether you've seen that meme where it says, I, I shouldn't really say it, and I'm only joking. I'm semi-joking when I say it. That meme that says, when I die, I'm going to get my co-workers to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true at all. Um, no, honestly, no. I, I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Chris, you look a bit uncomfortable with that. With that statement. No, 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 no he's, he's, he's on board. He's on board. No, it's, um, yeah. No, there's lots, there's, yeah, a lot going on. It might appear that we're doing the same things over and over, but we're not. Yeah, ah, there's a lot okay. going on behind the scenes. An innovation thing made a really nice distraction for a while. That was kind of chance to put your head somewhere else yeah actually that's that is really important to us is that occasionally we get distractions from other places like novation when we did work with isotope yeah that was great fun and yeah and they are good thing good for our soul yeah. really wasn't it? i mean yeah i'm i'm sort of i'm still i'm still kind of blown away at some of what rx does particularly that whole music balancing thing and I, and, and the pitch algorithms are all 
very different. In fact, on the Vol 4 sounds, <clears throat> even though I, I was still working on RX-5 or something, uh, and there's, in fact, the tapes were amazing. So when we got the original tapes through, there's this one, uh, there's a couple of things that had never been released. The tapes had just sat on a shelf since about ni- early 1970 or something. And it's a, it's a brilliant idea. It's just... Um, uh, just different intervals of the same kind of chords, but, you know, different inversions. And right at the beginning of the tape is this, and it's so brilliantly British. I mean, this isn't on the Volfold stuff. This is just when I was editing it. There is a conductor making a joke in English, uh, in Latin to the uh, ensemble who are recording. I just thought you can't get any more British than that, can you? No, that's very, uh, very, um, yeah, very BBC. Yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, crazy little things like there'd be little string chiffs kind of halfway through the note where obviously somebody else in the ensemble's kind of going, have I got the right? No, I'm not quite sure. Oh, no, I haven't. Stop. And the ability just to go in and kind of get rid of those. Just amazing. Amazing, amazing. Awesome. So, yes, that's my that's my plug for RX-7. So, yeah, do the Well, they've certainly got – they've certainly had them. Yeah, do the competition, which I'll just quickly post again. If you want to win RX-7, uh, we're looking for the hashtag FixAnyMix and the hashtag RX-7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So do check that out. Uh, well, there was one thing I was also going to ask. Uh, where plans for our event are moving along, and we wondered, uh, I wanted to ask a question actually, because uh, we have we're still still in the uh, embryonic stage, but we were thinking about doing something in the afternoon, starting about you know three three thirty, and having some synth talks in the afternoon, and having bands in the evening. Would that be something that uh, any of our viewers? would be interested in, in that sort of format, or would it rather be just the evening gig? Because it would be on a Saturday. I know that much. So that means, you know, you, it's not like you'd have to take time off work unless, of course, you work on a Saturday. I was just putting it out there for a bit of discussion. You can mention that in the comments, and then we'll probably help us shape. Depends on things as well. Yeah, it might help, help depends, us shape. Yeah. Depends on things in the daytime as well. Would yeah. be cool as well, I think. Absolutely. Another part of it, yeah. So anyway, that I wanted to throw that out there and just see if anybody uh, had any opinions on that because it may help uh, shape the shape, if that makes sense. Well, that's it. And um, thank you very much, uh, Dave and Chris uh, from GeForce Software. Um, okay. It's it, it's not got dark in the evenings now. Did you cycle home from the middle of the countryside on your bike? No. <laughs> no. Too dodgy. No. Too the old. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. I get that one. Um but yeah, I've already asked you what you're up to next and you say lots of stuff you can't tell us, but I hope you do have a lovely week and uh, thank you very much for joining us from your uh, wonderful synth cave over there um, at GeForce HQ or one of one of your many sites. You're getting a large and larger, your campus is increasing. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, no, good you're, fun. You're more than welcome. And Gaz, also thank you for joining us. Uh, are you back on your your computer? That's weird. Nope. It looks oh, it looks it looks absolutely fine. It sounds different as well. Maybe I cued oh, okay. your voice. But uh, thanks for joining us. I've been having I've been having revelations with the Roland AX Edge Keytar that arrived yesterday. Oh wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you know what? Uh, strapping it really low. Right down, Peter Hook style. Rickenbacker style. <laughs> it's down there. Stars. That's where it is. I te- and I found this other wicked thing is I can play the key edge like that, like a like a like a string. So it's down low. Ah, like a bass. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it's really good. I think it's 
It's got spike, big spike on it as well, so you can. Uh, oops, oh, someone's calling. <laughs> it's got a big spike on it, so you could kind of, you know, see off any kind of ram it into the, <laughs> into stage event. Yeah. yeah, it did look yeah. quite sharp. It's good. Uh, okay, yeah. well, we'll look forward it to is. that because you're going to be reviewing that for us as well. Awesome. Yes. Well, uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, That was uh, Sonic Talk, uh, episode 551. We'll see you again next time. Don't forget, uh, you can win your copy of RX7 or go and check it out at isotope.com forward slash RX7. That's it. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Take it easy.